0: Can we put our hands together for that? We sing songs and we we sing that you are worthy, God. You are worthy, God. You are good, God. But do you know why God is so good? Because he sees you and me as worthy through Jesus. Think about that for a minute. The almighty God, the almighty God, as dirty as we feel sometimes, as, di- as separated from God that, as, as we, that, that we can feel through Jesus. When he looks at us, he doesn't see that. He sees righteous men and women that love him. That's why God is good. Amen. Y'all can be seated. First of all, let me just say that this is uh, what I'm going to talk about today is something I am very passionate about, something that literally changed my life not uh, several years ago, get in it real quick, so as I I mentioned earlier, I've I help run a a ministry called Heart of David, and one of the things that, that we do, or the thing that we do, is we do, well, we do sports camps, we do all these different things for, you know, typically young men, you know, teenagers, 13 to, say, 19 years old. But I wear this bracelet, got turned around on that sweet jam was going on a minute ago. I wear this bracelet called Warrior Life because that's, that's what we do. We, we, we try to raise up warriors. And all it is, it's willing, accepted, responsible, redeemed, important, obedient, and ready. And then life, live your faith extreme. And what we do is we challenge these kids. And, and I've preached about this before. It's based off of the scripture that's in 2 Samuel 23. And it's this cool story of David. It's a solid, solid story about one of, like, King David had these guys, right? And he had 30 of them. They were like the baddest dudes, right? It'd be like, you know, like Navy SEALs or something. It's like the 30 of those, right? But then of those 30, he had three that he picked from those. Now, those are some bad dudes, right? And one of those guys' names was Eleazar. And 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 the word tells us in in Second Samuel that that there was this battle right, and the the Israelites went to fight the Philistines, but they like the Israelites tripped out at the Philistines, so they turned and ran. Well, Eleazar, as he all his homies were running this way, he went towards it. See, he ran into the fight, and it says that he he planted his feet, and he took a stand, and he stood there with his sword, and he fought. He took on the whole army. Now, I guarantee you he didn't think he was going to live, but he knew he was about to inflict some major pain upon some some Philistines, right? And he went in there, and, and he planted his feet. And it says he fought, and he fought, and then he got tired. Then he got tired. But he says, the Lord at that point, brought about a mighty victory. See, he's got so, his hand cramped up. And I can, Teddy uses this analogy all the time where it's like, the, if he kills so many people in church, we're talking about killing y'all, that's awesome. But he kills so many people. I can, you know, to see the blood coagulating around his hand and sticking that sword to it. But he just fought. And in God's strength, because we know, it says that he, he got tired. In God's strength, the Lord brought about a mighty victory that day. But see, I want to I I go one step further because I read something and I've read this passage. I have, I've, I've talked to kids on this passage, I can't, or to even you guys before, but so many times. But see, something hit me. It says the troops returned. The Israelites returned. They did, did they return to the battlefield? Where did they return to? They returned to Eleazar. Why is that? They returned to Eleazar. And it blew my mind because I see this warrior that's sitting up there taking a stand. He's planting his feet, and I, I picture him, you know, he's planting his feet in the Word of God. He is allowing the Almighty God to fight for him, and he just wipes out this army. And the people returned. What they return to? They returned to a man, of God that was powerful and strong in his might, a man of integrity and truth that was willing to take a stand when nobody else was. That's what they return to. And so I got in the Word, and I went back, and I started looking and looking. I was like, wow, well, you know what? There's a common denominator there. When you see people returning, there's stories like that all through the Bible. I've been studying this book for years, and that was just made. God just revealed that to me. They returned. And so today, listen, I look at a life like that, and I Instead of a warrior life, I see it as daring. Because we live in a culture that, man, you if you're going to take a stand against something and, and, and go against what culture is trying to tell us, you better be willing to take a stand. You better plant your feet in something. And the only thing you can plant it in is the Word of God. But those people, and if I'm honest, I, even as a kid, like I was drawn to those, so that something about that strength. I was drawn to it. I was drawn to it. And... I think about this guy that had integrity and honor and was willing to stand for truth so much so that he was going to die. And it gives me chills sitting there thinking about it. I want that kind of life. I want a daring life. And as I went through Scripture and I read, you know what I realized? That's the life God's called each one of us to. That is the life God's called each one of us to. And get this, he's even given us the strength to do it. Told y'all be all amped up here tonight this morning. <laughs> See, this is something that I, I believe and I know this with all my heart that God is raising up heroic men and women. Men and women that are willing to take a stand. Men and He's raising an army up. Because I'm seeing it, y'all. I promise you, I'm seeing it. One soul at a time. Men and women that are strong and want to stand for something. It's each one of you. The question is, are we willing to make, to live a daring life? Because it's daring. I mean, it is. There's nothing easy about what I'm going to talk to you about today. We're in the middle of a sermon series called, not in the middle, we're actually, this is the last two weeks of a sermon series we've been doing all summer called My Last Sermon. So if it was the last, you know, if it was one of my last couple times to get up here or the last time, what would I say to you? And over the summer, I've talked to you about faith in a couple of different ways. We went through a, a, lot of, a lot through the book of Mark and we saw, you know, stepping out of the boat and doing all these things that Jesus called. And then last week, or two weeks ago, I, we spoke about an attitude. Well, today, that's it. I got two weeks, listen, if I had two left, I'm gonna talk about this again next week. This is gonna be a two-part little series thing, all right? But God has called you to live a daring, Life, a daring life. I love you know. I, I I talk to so many people. I talk to so many people, and 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 look, this is what I hear all the time, all the time. Well, you know, and I, I said this a couple weeks ago. Well, Chris, you know, I could never do you know that. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, I I love the Lord and all, but like, I, He don't really want me to do that. And I, I'm saying, oh, okay, well, I get it, but. This is his instruction manual. Tell me where it says that in here. And if we're honest, there's a ton of us right now that have said that very thing. If you're deep in here, you may not want to admit it, but you feel, like oh, I couldn't do that. Couldn't do that. God may be whispering something to you. And I'm telling you today, I want us to look at some, look, just look through the word. And I want you to see that you have been called to live a daring life, a warrior life. The only reason I said daring is because, like, I wanted the women to buy in. I don't want to get up here and talk all G.I. Joe. And you all be like, all right, I'm going to sleep, you know. <laughs> Charles Spurgeon says this. Charles Spurgeon was, like, in the 1800s. He was this awesome pastor. And this is what he said. He said, dare to stand alone. Dare to have a purpose firm. Dare to make it known. Dare to be an Azar and go forth and fight the Philistines alone. You will soon find that there are others in the house who have concealed their sentiments, but when they see you coming forward, they will be openly on the Lord's side. Many cowards are skulking about trying to shame them. Many are undecided, yet let them see a brave man, and he will be the standard bearer around whom they will rally. You have been called to be a standard bearer. That is what we are called to be, a standard bearer. We are to rally together and set the standard of life. You know, we've, we all sit here and we're like, man, I sure hate where the culture is going, golly. Well, you know what? We've been called to do something about it. That's the truth. And we've been called to stand firm in the, in the name of the almighty God. That's why He's good. That's why he's good, because he put something in you so powerful that you can do that. We just got to access it. We just got to access it. So if you have your Bibles today, I want you to turn to Daniel 3. It's going to be up on the screen. Let me let me find it real quick. Okay, look, y'all, before I even say it, I'm going to go back to Slim Shady real quick. But so we're going to talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They're these three dudes that, you know, are in the book of Daniel. And we're going to learn that they got in some pretty bad situations and they lived, right? And so my buddy Stephen back there, I've always loved this because Stephen had these cats that kept dying. Like he's, just a, he's a cat killer. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so he named his next two cats Shadrach and Meshach. <laughs> Sorry about that, Stephen. All right, so look, Nebuchadnezzar, right, was the king of Babylonia, right? We hear this all the time. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylonia, right? And so he, he was going in and he was conquering all these different nations. You know, he'd go in, he'd conquer. And, and, and when he would conquer a nation, as he did when he went into Judah, Jerusalem, went in there, he conquered them, right? But then he would go in and he would pick out the, the, the most talented guys and the best-looking women, and then he would send them to Babylon, all right? And, and what we see here in, in 1 Daniel, if we were to go back, we see that, that the, the Hebrew, the translation in, Hebrew, in Daniel 1, 3, and 4, tells us that the men, like the, the, the young men, it says, that's actually teenagers, up, up in their upper teens. So 17, you know, 18, 19 years old, something like that. So as we as we go through this today, I want you to think about this a 17, 18, 19 year old young man doing what we're about to read about. Okay? So he would go so he went through right he gathered up and 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 Daniel, right, Daniel was one of the was one of the people that he that he uh it went in there and took and, and along with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego and sent them, right, they were chosen as some of the, you know, like bad dudes or whatever or most talented and he sent them to Babylon, right? And so Dan, Daniel, through like this series of events, ends up interpret, interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dreams. Nebuchadnezzar starts having these crazy dreams. He's tripping out. And he's like looking for somebody and, and through a series of events, Daniel ends up interpreting those dreams, right? And Nebuchadnezzar was so fired up about this. He was like, man, this guy rules. And so what he ended up doing, he said, hey, listen, because they lived in a land where it was, they worshiped all these different gods, all these different gods, you name it, it was, it was a god of that. So they, they lived in a land, but he said, whoa, whoa, hold up, like, your god is now the one true god, right? So Daniel, which was awesome, and, and he was fired up about that, but then he went a step further, Nebuchadnezzar did, and he said, and like, I'm going to make you ruler over a province of Babylon. And because your God is the one true God, you're going to be in charge of all the wise men. Right? So now, now you're like 17, 18, 19 years old. You have been with your three homies. You just got picked up out of one land and sent to a land where all the finest women of multiple countries now live. Not such a bad gig. I mean, for I'm, I'm dead serious. I'm not. I mean, like, think about it. Yeah, that's pretty solid. If you're, I mean, he's a teenager, right? But then he does what I would have done, and he hooks up his three buddies with a sweet government job. They're now administrators. So now they're these teenage dudes living in a land that, I mean, they're probably like, "Oh man, this isn't really great." But deep inside, they're like, oh, "Sweet, you know, I got this awesome job." And because, I mean, really, think it's not any different than, I mean. They're still human beings, so we have a tendency to look at this and just read it as a story. But this is real life. This actually happened. So, you know, these guys, you know, as they were on their camels going over there, probably high fiving each other, like, man, dude, we could look at this. Now we're in charge of people. They had to be fired up about it, right? So, so what happened was Nebuchadnezzar quickly forgot about the one true God. He's a politician, right? I don't mean that in a bad way. But what he did, <laughs> if we have any politicians in the house, <laughs> much love. But what he did was he decided, you know, I, I want to try uh, to unite the 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 country, uh, uh, like Babylonia. I want to unite them by, by having a centralized worship, right? So what he did is he took a bunch of gold and he built this 90-foot idol, 90-foot tall idol by like 9, 10 feet wide, huge. And... He said that all they, they were going to put, like they had all these bands that they put together, and it was a certain times throughout the day that the music would start, and everybody was supposed to hit their knees and worship this one, this one idol, right? Well, they had the orientation, or or the they, the officials all gathered to have the you know the official dedication idol dedication, and that's where we're going to pick up on so. I'm going to read Daniel 3, 4 through 6. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, This is what you are commanded to do, O peoples, nations of men and of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, of all, all, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Uncool, right? Think about the think about the you know the kids with the sweet jobs. Like they love the Lord. And now they're in a pickle. <laughs> right? I just want to use that word. <laughs> All right, so look at so they so then they you know they have like a demonstration where you see that and they get busted. Right? They get busted. And it says this, verse 12. But there are some Jews who have set out who who you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you've set up. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You know. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you don't serve my, my gods or worship the image that I've set up? Now, when you hear the now, the way this is supposed to be now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, all kind of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. So, like, I'm going to give you a second chance. All right, I'm going to give you a second chance. But if you don't worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand. Mm. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, oh, let's stop right there. That's the king they're talking to. The king. And they're standing up. That's pretty, I don't know, that's pretty solid. That's hardcore to think what they're about to do. But even, but we want you to know, O king, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious. With Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude towards them changed. See, he gave him a second chance, right? But now he was ticked, right? He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his armor to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. See, I love this right here because what it's showing, he's acting, the king is now acting on his emotions. He is ticked off and he's saying heat it up man oh yeah heat it up see and so you're starting to see his whole like his whole demeanor is now changing like it's this is this is intense so so these men wearing their robes trousers turbans and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace the king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took, who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Fell. They didn't walk. They fell into it. King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked the, the, his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the fire? Yes, certainly, O king. Look, look, exclamation, look. I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out of here, Come, come here, come here. So they came out of the fire. And the satraps and prefects and governors and royal advisors crowded around. Be all the officials, right? They they crowded around him. They saw that the, the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched. There was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their god. Look at that next word. Whenever you see that in scripture, you need to pay attention to it. Therefore. So, because they did that, because, because they defied me. Now, look, uh, the reason uh, the reason we pointed out all the government officials were there. Listen, this was a big moment for King Nebuchadnezzar. What was he going to do? I mean, everything was on the line for him. And I can just picture him sitting there going, "Oh man, <laughs> now what? They don't got another dude up in there with him somehow, and I got all my all my governors, all my all, every all my officials." I got him on my side, and now I've just been challenged. What am I going to do? See, what happens is he is floored by what the Almighty God has done. Therefore, I decree... That the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. For no other God can save in this way. Hmm. Turned into rubble. Then, listen, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Common denominator there, isn't it? What happened? The fact that they stood before, it took a stand and stood before the king and said, listen, hey, man, look, king, like, I don't care what you say. Really, I don't care what you say, man. Because my God, whether he saves us from the fire is not, He. oh, he can. You need to know that he can. Whether he chooses to or not, I'm not worried about that, but he can. They, like, their belief was concrete. That they stood before a king and had the courage to, to say what they said, to challenge the king in front of his people in the name of the almighty God. See, they took a stand. And what happens, just like what happened with Shadrach, I mean with uh, Eleazar, they returned, didn't they? The king returned. See, there was something about that behavior. Even though it was in defiance of him, there was something about three people that are willing to take a stand that changed him. Were they scared? Uh yeah. I'm gonna stay that probably so. See? <laughs> yeah, they were they had to be scared. I mean, you know, but just you know, just because they may be a little bit scared doesn't mean that they let the fear override what they knew their Almighty God was able, as it said, to do. See, they took the power of what God had promised them because one thing I can promise you these guys knew, they knew God's laws. They knew. They grew up knowing, hey, man, you don't need to be worshiping any other idols. Uh Uh-uh. And and look, you got to love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And see, they knew it and they followed it. (laughs) And when challenged with their facing impending death, guaranteed death. They took a stand. And the people returned. See, that's a daring life. That is a, that is a daring life. And the thing that I see so much, or the thing that I see in this story that I, that I love is that the music played right? Think about, think about how far, and remember, it's in the desert, so think about how far you could see. Think about this gigantic idol that's sitting there, and the music played, and everybody, everybody bows, but they stand. Think they were hidden by anything? Think they were like, man, if I stand over here, nobody's going, no, no. They stood out like a sore thumb. They may, they may as well have been 90 feet tall, because everybody saw it, everybody saw it see listen when others bow when others bow a daring life stands when other when the music plays and others bow we stand that's what we are called to do is to stand and they stood and the thing is, you know, as teenagers, like I, I don't know why I thought this, but the first thing is I'm like, you know, it wasn't like they were like, this is going to make a good YouTube video. I'm going to have like 10 million hits. That's, a, that's $600 a month right there. <laughs> you know? Or man, think of all the Instagram followers I'm about to get. And I know we, we can laugh about that, but is it not true that so many times things that we do are based on a result that we're hoping to get, even, even, I mean, even good things, you know, like we want to go serve somebody. I mean, if we're honest, you know, sometimes we do, I mean, our motives are just not, they're not right sometimes. And yet these dudes sat there and their motives were, were pure. Despite the fear they stood. See, a daring life is contagious. It's contagious. It's contagious. And I ask myself, and I ask us, are we willing, right? Are we willing, which by the way, that's what the W on this stands for, are we willing to live a daring life? Because see, in order to stand for truth, if a daring life is standing for truth, well, we got no truth. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth. That's right. Thank you. And I love what, what Scripture says because, see, this is, what, this is what we know. This is what we know, that when Jesus came and he's like, listen, when you, if you believe in me, if you believe that I am the Son of God and that I died, was buried, and rose again for your sins, you believe in that. Well, when you believe in that, I'm going to deposit something. I'm going to put something in you. God's going God's to gonna pour his Holy Spirit in you, why? Why is that important? Why? why I mean, really, like I mean, because I grew up under well, Holy Spirit. Like, what? Why is that, Why is that so important? It's important because Acts one eight says, "You shall receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be workers of my power, acro- workers of my power across the earth." So, so, all of a sudden, power is put within us. And I love. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God is not mere talk. It's about living an empowered life. You see, we read these stories and we think, oh man, I could never do that. We see what other people are doing, other followers are doing, and we're like, oh man, I I don't know, I couldn't do that. But yes, you can because when you accept Christ, you've got a power in you, a power in you. And I hear this all the time, I couldn't do it, I couldn't do it. But listen, you can do it, you just got to be willing to accept the power and depend on the almighty God to give you strength to get through it. That's why David said, Lord, I love you, my Lord, my strength. We use his strength and it's in you. It's in you to change, to make change. You have that in you. The question is are you willing to use it? That's a hard question sometimes, isn't it? Daniel even says the, the, the people who know their God shall prove themselves strong and shall stand firm in 1132. Zechariah 4, 6 says, nor, no, I'm sorry, not by the might nor power of man, but my spirit. By my spirit, says the Lord. And then I love Romans 8, 14. It says, for we, we are all, for, no, for all who are being led by the spirit. For all who are being led by the spirit. These are sons. Of God. See, our model is Jesus. Jesus lived a daring life. So if I So if I'm going to give you some points, which i I wrote some points down here, and it's real simple. I mean, it's so simple. If you're a note taker, write this down. You've got to learn what truth is. And you got to accept it. You got to accept it. You've got you to learn what truth is, and you got to accept it. I love Psalm 119.30. Psalm 119.30. I have chosen the way of truth. I've chosen the way of truth. And you can't let, listen, don't let your past, please hear me on this, don't let your past define your future. Because, see, we get so caught up in thinking, I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. And we allow fear to dictate our future. And you're, you, you have a God-given destiny. A God-given destiny. And the only thing that can keep you from that is fear. Because what Jesus says, do is take a step. He's like, come on, come on, you got this, man, you got it. You just get the fear as, or, or the, the strength that's understood to take a step. Come on, take it, take it. And in that step of faith... Greatness happens. Greatness happens when we, when we take that step. But don't let your past define your future because Satan will whisper those things in your ear all day long. Oh, you can't do this, man. Think about how hard you partied in the past. You can't go tell kids not to party. You can't do this, man. Think of, you can't, th- 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 fill in the blank. And every one of us in here knows it because we've all heard it. Don't let fear define your future. You know, some practical ways of that. You you guys are, some of you are about to go back to school. Some of you are about to go back to school, and you're going to be in situations where God's going to be whispering, hey, 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 here's your opportunity. You get to take a stand right here. So-and-so is getting bullied. What you going to do? What you going to do now? Love an old comedian, I'm not going to say who it was. He's like, oh, you dropped your gun when you climbed through the window. What you going to do now? (laughs) You know, any of y'all remember that? But no, for real, like, y'all, you know, you're about to be, we are, so many of us are are coming back at the end of summer, and we're about to be going back to school. We're about to be in the, in the Grove. Well, maybe not as many in the Grove this year, but in in the, in the junction, you know? Like, for real. And we're going to come up on situations that are like, where you're going to have an opportunity to take a stand, and we're going to, what are you going to do? Because when you are, when you are faithful and you, and you act on the whispers by taking a step, it gives you strength to take the next step. And with each step, you get stronger and stronger and stronger. And all of a sudden, you are fighting a fight, and you are taking a stand, and you have been empowered by the Almighty God through faith by taking steps in Him. What are we going to do? You're going to let your fear define your future. The third thing is, look, we get, you seek Him. You seek the Lord, you listen to Him, and you find your courage in Him. What do you mean, Chris, seek Him? Look, it's real, like, get in the Word. Get, if, if this gives you strength, why would you read something else? Get in the Word. I, I'd say this, you know, the formula of life that I talk about Romans 12 too. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you can test and approve what God's will is for your life, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. So there's the formula, right? Stop doing what the, quit doing what everybody else is doing. Get in the word and allow your mind to be made new. Then test and approve. Which means try things out in him. And look, the final point is this. When you get in his word and you start getting strengthened by his word and you take those steps of faith and you start getting encouraged by the almighty God, you start getting excited, the last step is when the music plays and everybody else bows, you stand and you stand tall because God has given you the strength to stand tall. He has. He's given you the strength to stand mightily. And you know what's going to happen when you do that? They'll return. They'll return. People will start. It may be hard at first. Seriously, you may feel isolated. But people will start returning. I'm telling you, I see it in my own life when I accepted Christ. And so many of my friends are like dudes a church weirdo now I'm out and here it is now here it is you know what 18 years later and they've all returned they've all returned saying Chris man so many of them are like Chris I'm broken man tell me about that stuff you were talking about a long time ago see God is building an army of men and women willing to take a stand and move forward and transform this world that he has given us. The question is, are you willing? Father God, I just thank you for today. God, I thank you for each person here. Lord, you are good. You are good, God, because you love us beyond measure and you give us strength to step out of the boat when we're scared, God. And I pray right now, Father, that there's somebody here that doesn't know you. That's that's step one, God, of, of living a daring life. God, would you pierce their heart right now? Let them know that they are to accept your son. Pierce their heart for that, God. That is my cry to you, my my cry. And then for those that do, that, are, that need strength, God, would you remind them with every breath that you have given them an empowered life and a life that is strengthened by your spirit. You are good, God. You are good. Amen. Amen.